Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. Dustin here, and this is episode number 96 with Joe Sabato. Uh, we are talking about supporting students with technology uh, for this episode, kind of a broad topic, but we um, plug in a lot of different uh, cool uh, kind of points of uh, view uh, from Joe's experience. He's had a long career kind of riding the uh, technological wave, as it were, um, working out at uh, UC Santa Barbara since uh, the 90s, I believe. So um, he has a lot of great experience, a lot of great stories, um, and just really good perspectives about how to support student success using uh, technology and different uh, information systems, all that kind of support structure that goes into just making the wireless networks work and uh, email and uh, just all the applications and uh, forms and sites and stuff for different institutions. So um I was really happy to have Joe on. Uh, like I said, he was great and has a lot of good insights and a lot of cool stuff to check out down in the show notes. Uh, but after this quick message, uh, this is episode number 96 with Joe Sabato. In anticipation of the upcoming launch of the college guidebook, First Year Student of First Year Success, that comes from our friends at Swift Kick and our fearless leader, Tom Krugelstein. We're going to have quick interviews with Tom that go into the process of writing, editing, and publishing your own book. So these are going to go up to the launch of the book on March 29th, uh, and they're going to be really awesome. So I hope you enjoy. So Tom, you got to tell me, how did you get all these sips and how did you compile them? Like what's, and what's one of like the weirdest ones that you got? Yeah. So we started with the divergent, just like collecting from everyone and anyone uh, tips. Then we started to filter them down into groups. Then in our office, we actually have these like amazing white walls where you can write on them. And so we put them all up there talk, debrief, narrowed them down to the final 21 tips that we felt like were the best for the book. And in terms of weirdest tips, I have three. One was, I don't know if it's weird, just funny, was one, make sure you live near the bar. Hmm, all right. (laughs) Yeah, which is like, okay, so what's the purpose of school? Uh, And then another one, uh, this one's pretty good, actually, but help the professor with the technology. Maybe that's a way to get the attention of the the professor. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, getting good favor, Uh, sure. (laughs) Yeah, and then the last one was um, uh, appreciate Uggs, the boot brand, and then also make sure you have a good pair of rain boots. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) probably some uh, stories from that one. Uh, Yeah, those are great tips. Awesome. You can look forward to the launch of the upcoming book, First Year Student to First Year Success, coming out on March 29th. For more information, check out studentaffairscollective.org or swiftkickhq.com. Since I am uh, enduring the snow, how is the weather out where you are right now? Because I, I always like to ask that because I feel like we have people from all over the country. Sometimes uh, we're sharing in like cold Eight. snow or whatever. So how is it out there? 70 degrees? It sucks right now. <sighs> Nice. Uh, the sun's coming out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, not, I'm not familiar, too, with um, California geography. Where is Santa Barbara in that? Because I, I feel like it's also different from, like, northern to southern California, of, like, depending on where you are. So where are you exactly in California? Sure. Santa Barbara is just right, probably smack right in the middle of Santa oh, Barbara, okay, cool. of California. So it's about 100 miles north of, of Los Angeles. And then maybe about 400 miles, probably more than that, then from San Francisco. So, you know, we're typically considered as part of the Central Coast. Mm. So I myself live about 30 minutes uh, north of Santa Barbara, you know, where I work for UC Santa Barbara, just because of 
the housing price is just really expensive, you know, living in Santa Barbara. Yeah. But, you know, it's a nice place. And if you ever come and visit, it, there's a place called uh, Solvang. It's like a little uh, Danish town. Hmm. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. I love it. It's like a one country. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I've, I've been, um, I went for the first time to San Diego for San Diego Comic-Con last summer. That was my first time ever in California. I would say ever in San Diego. And really, I mean, I went to uh, Vegas for ACPA when it was there a couple of years ago. And that was like my first time uh, that far out west and stuff. But um, yeah, and I think I've just like, because living in Maine too, Maine is I think larger than most people think it is. And I've like talked to some people for the podcast that are in California and I've like grossly underestimated how large it is sort of th- that it, like you're saying like, Oh, it's like hundred miles like from this. And it's like, I thought that those things were much closer. I don't like, yeah. it's a yeah. very large state. So no, that, that uh, was yeah. the weird experience for me was that, you know, when I go, cause my parents live in, in Monterey, mm-hmm. which is about, about 280 miles away you know, from, from where I live. I grew up in Salinas and Monterey area. And so for me, it's like going to that one, you know, in California, it's just one state. Mm-hmm. But when I go visit for business trips in, in back east, it's so weird for me to be able to go like cross state mm-hmm. in a few hours at a time. So that to me was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I'll drive down to New Jersey because uh, uh, some of my grad school friends are still down there and my partner's family is down there. And yeah, it takes us eight hours. But we go through like six states in those eight hours. But you could like, you know, like Texas is probably the same way. You could like drive for eight hours and still be from like top to bottom in like the same state sort of thing. So, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Northern California is like, you know, it's just such a different weather too. Right. Yeah. That's what I, I probably like the idea of like, oh, I'm in Maine and it's snowing and it's cold. was like, but then like Northern California, like it might be kind of like, you know, a little bit colder, a of, like kind of almost similar weather, I would guess. So like, right. Right, it's a little bit warmer, but um, so that's why it's like, okay, we're like suffering in solidarity. Like, you know, like if somebody's in like California or something like they're, they're cold too. <laughs> well, below 60 degrees for me is freezing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gets so to like negative to... degrees here comparatively, which is just ridiculous, but um so you are in uh, California, and you've I, uh, perused your LinkedIn, and I, I've seen that you've been uh, in the area for a long time. And um, so I'm very curious, uh, and for everyone else's sake, just to uh, get a little introduction of who you are. Uh, we'll do it as we always do, just kind of the story of how you got to be where you are today to kick things off. Sure. I think I'll try to start with uh, my story as a, as a, as a child. Um, my family and I immigrated to the United States in 1984 as part of a, uh, an immigration chain. So my grandfather was a farmer in mm-hmm. Salinas. And so he petitioned us probably about 1972. And so as a family, we migrated, immigrated to, to Salinas in 1984, along with, uh, you know, that's where our, our base pretty much is now. So, and then I went to high school there and I went to UC Santa Barbara in 1991. Uh, and the reason why I chose that is because, you know, as a first generation student, I wasn't I didn't know what college is about, mm-hmm. and so even though I was accepted to different schools, even back east, I, I you know, wasn't really that confident to leave uh, the comfort of, of my family yet. So, it's you know, it's far enough that I can actually explore, but mm-hmm. then it was, it was close enough so that if I feel homesick, you know, I, uh, I can go home. And so I, I came in as econ major, but then I soon realized that I like talking to people. I like talking to people about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I switched my major to political science, and uh, I kind of experienced this, I guess, awakening uh, when I started, personal awakening when I, I took, started taking Asian American studies. I didn't know we had a history, uh-huh. you know, because in, in, in high school, rarely did I uh, encounter about Asian American history in, in, you know, in, in, uh, in, the book, in the textbooks. So I started getting involved in Asian American activism on campus, 
and I started getting into politics. And I started working with, with student affairs, and that's the reason why I'm setting this up as to how I got into student affairs, mm-hmm. is because I started working with our uh, EOP program, which you know, educational opportunity program. I was a, a tutor for uh, learning assistance service. I was a, a resident assistant for Port Bound. Um, you know, I was I was a uh, peer advisor for EOP. You know, so that's how I kind of got into student affairs. I didn't know back then that this was actually a profession. Mm-hmm. And again, first generation, I didn't know that there was actually grad school. Right, <laughs> so right. For us, we're like, oh, you go to college, that's it. Right. <laughs> so, you know, my grades kind of suffered a little bit the first couple of years. I didn't know how to adjust to college. And, you know, so junior or senior year, all of a sudden I'm thinking, wait a minute, I didn't realize there was grad school. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize student affairs is a profession. So I had this all planned out, right? Maybe I'll take a year off, be an RD, you know, for resident um, in housing. At all planned out, and by that point in time, I was like, I started getting into web development. Uh, I was working as a as an intern for a multicultural programming, uh, and we started going into web. At that point, it was about 1995, mm-hmm. and doing some, you know, like a multimedia CD. And so, you know, I started gaining some some uh, interest in technology and web at that point in time. So, um, but anyways, I applied to be an RD, and I got rejected. Mm. You know, and rightly so, because I didn't have experience in housing, and so I was crushed. I was like, oh, my God, what do I do? Uh, luckily, because of my experience with, with you know, Asian American activism and just knowing the vice chancellor who became a mentor, he um, said, Let me see, I think we have a job for you. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I, st- I tell this story, our dean of students, when I was going up on stage, um, gave me a hug and said, Joe, uh, come to my office next week. I think we have a job for you. And, and I became the first webmaster. Oh, for wow. And that's how I kind of got started. And so, you know, I've always been interested in, in student affairs and I've always been interested in technology. And so, you know, it's, it's, it has a way, life has a way of getting things you know, in line, I guess, you know, yeah. or something. But, you know, and, and I grew, kind of grew up from there, you know. So my department, which I, I lead now, um, was established in 1995, I think. So I was probably employee number five back then. Right. And we have about 65 staff now. Yeah. In, in time, right? So I've, I've kind of like actually grown. I've seen the progression and evolution of technology and student affairs at UC Santa Barbara, and it's, that's why it's very interesting for me to to. I've learned student affairs from that lens, mm-hmm. from an IT lens, and it's very interesting because, you know, uh, I've, I've pretty much developed application for about 25 departments at UC Santa Barbara, you know, enrollment services, registrar, financial aid, admissions, um, you know, disabled students program, career career services, judicial affairs, student health. And so that's how my education of student affairs, you know, from experiential, um, you know, aspect came about. Yeah. Well, a good question I have there, I guess, and um, because I, I guess I'm not so intimately, you know, acclimated to sort of this this area of uh, student affairs and stuff. So is what you're saying like that you where other campuses might like, um, you know, work with like a different vendor to do different like application to different things? Like, so are you like creating things for your like partner offices and student affairs? Or are you doing a lot of just like helping to facilitate things and like onboard different technology tools that they like get from like a third party? Or are you like, because I know some campuses do like they'll create their own campus app or they'll create their own, you know, uh, app for like a smartphone for one thing or another. So are you like creating a lot of stuff in house for um, Santa Barbara or like you're just like a kind of like a facilitator or something? It's just to kind of get a little more in depth about like what sort of uh, a day in your life is like. 
Yeah, we, we actually do all. And that's, that's a very great question because uh, we do vendor solutions. Uh-huh. Uh, we actually do, we also develop uh, applications. Here's a good example. One of my earliest applications uh, was a calendar of events for, for the entire campus. That was mm-hmm. about 1997. And people going, that's never going to happen. You yeah. know, people are never going to, uh, you, you know, what do you mean like a central calendar of events? No one's going to use that because back then they were using, uh, you know, those uh, TN3070, the, the green screen. Right. You know, the okay. Screen. And, and then in, 1990, in 2002, um, that was, I think, after the uh, 9-11 we had to develop a, a, a system called CVIS, you know, as a reaction to that. So it was federal mandate. And so we both have vendor products and we also develop our own system. So they're both together. So, um, and from that point on, we've developed several applications for registrar admissions, but also we implement uh, vendor solutions like for recreation center, for student health, like electronic medical records and for counseling services. So we do, we do all, and we also do networking. Um, one of the unique things about our department is that we we are a central department in student affairs, and as you said, some you know some universities, their student information systems is, is hosted by the central IT department. Right. Right. We actually host our own. We developed you know that was developed about thirty years ago, and so that's a hub of all the other applications we develop about 100, about one hundred fifty of them, you know all the way from you know, from judicial affairs to you know, interfacing with housing also providing data to um, the learning management system outside our division. And we also take care of graduate division as well. Hmm. Wow. It's just amazing to me too, because we, we uh, I talked to somebody in a, a couple episodes ago about um, sort of just like riding the wave of like, like you said, like the technology kind of really like getting very mainstream and like heavily integrated into everything that we do. And it's just like fascinating because you're like, I guess, uh, yeah, so like 95, and then like uh, if they had like their own servers, I guess, for certain things, like a little bit before that too. But like, yeah, it's just fascinating. It's just like you said, you've really been sort of, you grew with the, the that whole, uh, you know, office and department and stuff. But um, so I get, and just like with that, maybe if you want to kind of just any anecdotes of how it's changed over time, but like what other kind of like tasks and stuff do you do to, obviously it's probably, you know, depends on the day sort of thing, but just like in broad strokes, like what are you doing on any given day? And maybe how has it changed over time since you've really grown with that department over time? Oh, sure. This is a great question because, uh, you know, sometimes people ask me, okay, you graduated political science and Asian American studies and you're in technology. How does that work? <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> and my, my, my response now is like, I don't really do, my main job isn't really technology. It's about building people. It's about leadership. Mm-hmm. It's about thinking of technology in a way that supports our mission for student success. And so I look at it from that lens. And the way it's changed was, you know, as a webmaster, I was coding. And I was, I was, I was coding maybe 14 hours a day because I love, I mm-hmm. love how to love yeah. coding stuff. And then I became a business, you know, business analyst. And so I started working with the clients, you know, with the customers. And then um, became a, a department manager. And, and so that progression has happened that way to a point now where mo- most of my activities have been about um, management and leadership and pro- de- developing our staff so that they have the competency to be able to do the job. And so, for example, um, I'm involved with committees at the, at the campus level. Mm-hmm. I'm part of the uh, cybersecurity team under the CIO. I also meet with the uh, directors, for example, our, our Carol, I mean, Dean Janetti, who is the dean of, of uh, graduate division, I meet with her. Then I have meetings with my staff. I have one-on-ones. Uh-huh. Um, those are those are the one. And, and like last Monday, we had a budget meeting. 
Yeah, so there's the one of the things I like about my job is it's very diverse. There is no such thing as a typical day because mm. you know, I'm doing a lot of stuff, which to me, that was one of the appeal of, of being in the central IT unit is because I get to work with all kinds of departments, all kinds of, uh, you know, students and faculty and staff. Not so much faculty, but, you know, they're, they're um, you know, support staff. Yeah, that's neat, though. Just like knowing that, you know, you worked your way up like you know, you, you said like you coded for hours sort of thing. Like you've, you know, I think, and that's like the cool thing, I guess, and you know, that makes things work well in that, in your office is that you kind of have like some of the functional knowledge, but now you're able to just like sort of get above that and like manage people who are doing more of it on a kind of day by day basis. But um, yeah, so this is just fascinating to me. I don't know why, like, I guess it didn't click of just like, how you've like rode that wave. And I just, I just love that. of just uh, kind of growing with it. And, um, well, I can give you an anecdote. Yeah. You said, yeah, sure, sure. how technology has changed. Um, consumer technology is the one it's called consumerization of it. Mm-hmm. It's probably, it's probably one of the more interesting uh, aspects of my experience because, you know, now people take the web for granted, social media and cloud and mobile, but every single time that's come up, for example, in 1996, I started introducing, um, web, so our division, and some people say, what do we need the web for? We already have catalogs, mm-hmm. right? we have brochures. So, and then I started introducing uh, social media, and they're like, what do we need social media for? It's a fad, you know, security risk. <laughs> and then I started introducing uh, mobile, they're like, what do we need mobile for? You know, students don't, don't use mobile. <laughs> so, and it's always about two or three years, because uh, it's kind of interesting how you see this, this, um, this evolution this phases of a technology adoption, acceptance mm. and adoption. Um, again, people take uh, social media and cloud and mobile as, you know, it's always been existing, it's always been here, but even way back then, even email. Email was, right. you know, it's like, well, why do you want email? You're just going to play around with it. So maybe you shouldn't have email. <laughs> you know, it's only for administrators. And then Hotmail came about, you know, and all of a sudden staff were like, well, I can, I can host my own email on Hotmail. And so every single time a wave of technology I see like the uh, the resistance all of a sudden like integration of the technology and then how do we start using it properly? Yeah, man, and it's it's just really cool. And I guess it's I guess why I if everybody's just like sort of chuckling at how like aghast I am or whatever because it is it's like I, I I sort of I guess I appreciate how much has changed within you know the the that amount of time that you know that you've even just been there and stuff because I think you know, I was born in 1989 and like, I remember like dial up and like, <laughs> it, like I was a kid for those things. So it wasn't as if I was like an adult and I like, I really like consciously felt that sort of wave of things, but it's like, I remember having a computer with dial up and there's like sort of things changing in, the, in, in that way. And I don't know, I, I guess for certain things, I was like just the right age to where like it kind of came and I was like, Oh, okay. Like I kind of, like it just came and I don't know. So it's just like, it's just reflecting on that is always just really cool. And um, I think especially for somebody like, like it was, like that was your job and that was like your life of kind of like bringing in, like shepherding in that, especially for like student affairs and kind of, yeah, at this point, like early in my professional career in student affairs, I have always taken it for granted, but this work did happen before all of this stuff was here that I've sort of just been like, yeah, there's always computers for check-in and like, you know, tablets to do stuff with for RRAs or, you know, orientation leaders or something. It's like, no, I mean, we've done it for like, you know, several decades without, you know, all these things. So, well, I mean, you bring um, up a good point because yeah. uh, uh, Kevin Guidry, if you ever, you know, ever read his uh, his blog, it's called I think MistakenGoals.com. Mm-hmm. He talks about how technology has been here for a while, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, but way back when, but we treat technology like it's a new thing. You know, uh, and he had he had like a whole 
a couple blog posts about it, and it's interesting because you, you, you do get these cycles of, of technology adoption, yet we, we look at technology as like it's a new thing, you know, mm-hmm. because of the, the type of technology that, that's coming now. For example, you know, Internet of Things, we haven't even talked about that yet, mm-hmm. yet are wearable, but our students are wearing them. They're bringing them in. Mobile, they expect, the students expect mobile to be, you know, uh, mobile services to be available 24-7 anywhere in the world if there's, there's internet. Yep. So it's kind of interesting how, when, you know, when I look at technology, I look at it from the lens of a student affairs professional, not, a, not an IT person. So mm-hmm. I look at it from the perspective of like, how can we use technology to promote student success? Yeah. Well, and that's right. a, a, a perfect segue to my next question, because I th- just like to sort of sit on that point for a second, like, how do you see what you do in, you know, uh, kind of the informational systems and all that supporting student success? And I, I know, you know, um, sort of figuring out the topic for this episode, you, you noted something really good, like a really good point about what, you know, and I'm using air quotes here for people listening, <laughs> technology, like that very broad term and like info systems, you know, like what even does that mean? Like if we're going to, you know, use that term and what you see it to mean. So, you know, it's obviously just a very big question, but how do you see it? maybe just in some particular focused ways, you know, all that stuff impacting student success. Sure. And one of the things that I, I noticed, especially on SA Chat or SA Tech, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I used to host SA Tech, by the way, um, oh, well, nice. years ago. Uh, Kirsten Abel and, and I co-started that, that mm-hmm. weekly chat. But anyways, um, I think generally when people talk about technology and affairs, they're talking about te- uh, social media. And I've always said no. Technology is bigger than social media. You know, social media gets a lot of a lot of uh, attention just because it's some you know people use it a lot, or students use them, um, or staff use them. But in actuality, technology and student affairs is so wide and so varied. You know, I already talked about the different departments that we work with. So mm-hmm. enrollment services, um, disabled students program, you know, with assistive assistive technology, uh, judicial affairs. So and learning technologies. So the way I look at it is, well, first of all, let's define what student success means. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, what, what's student success mean? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and some people just define it as student retention. You know, they're coming back first year, second year. Um, are they getting their, their degrees, educational attainment? Are they getting good grades? But in student, in, in, uh, in student affairs, we kind of tend to look at them even beyond that, you know, this holistic uh, development, uh, learning, you know, and, and, and so beyond what happens in the classroom. Sure. And so that's the way we look at it in terms of technology, holistic development, student advancement, is if you look at the student life cycle and where technology fits in, I can go through, for example, from admissions, uh, application process there. Then they apply for financial aid. Then they also apply for housing. Then they get to, to the university. Then they uh, use technology to enroll in classes. Uh, they look at their degrees, progress degree, like wait list, uh, scheduling, and then for, pe- for folks with uh, impairments, you know, disabilities, um, we have a program that they can submit their applica- you know, their documentation uh-huh. so they can get accommodation, uh, note-taking, proctoring, assistive devices, um, judicial affairs. You know, they go through cases. And so it's really important for us to have systems, technologies that, that work well because if we're displaying the wrong data, for that student, especially in their most vulnerable moments, and, and the professionals are making decisions based on this information, and we display wrong information, that could mean life, you know, altering moment for, for the student. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this, that's, to me, that's the importance of what we do, is that, you know, we provide 
we would we provide support for all the things that that student affairs does you know for, to support the students directly or indirectly yeah and we talk about digitalization of student affairs there's you know student engagement but then there's also how do we automate our you know, systems transactional systems so we can be more efficient in the way we do things so instead of as let's look at financial aid instead of staff having to to look at every single applications if we can automate that then the staff can do more outreach mm-hmm. they can now start um, dealing with more with students who are who probably are stressed you know going to the community so you know, technology allows allows our staff to do the things that matter more you know more than the, you know the typical cases so and even with the counseling services can imagine a, a situation where a student is in trouble in the middle of the night and our counselors have to log into our system so they can actually see what the you know the background of the student is their address at home what if they have to contact the the, the parents or even more we have students who are abroad yeah i feel like yeah just like having things like accessible all the time because i feel like that's I've, I've encountered that struggle of like like oh well the way that we have things set up like you have to be like at this one computer in your like so it's like having things you know you know like a web module or something so people yeah can like look up information you know from wherever they are and it just allows you know just more nimble support of students like that one point is certainly like a a major one of you know through uh, sort of the information systems and the servers and the software and the network like to being able to enable the professionals uh, you know, especially when they're on call and like after hours being able to um, better support students. Cause I've seen um, certain campuses like uh, building mobile apps because just the way that they do things like, it's like, Oh, we can't access it on our staff iPads or tablets or whatever. So they built like a custom app for the tablet, which really helped out for like the Dean of students on call or anybody that, that's on call to like look up information, and log things in their system and stuff. So even, even like yeah. email, if you think about the process of sending an email, mm-hmm. look how many layers it takes to do that. <laughs> you have to have right. You have to have the the internet connection. Mm-hmm. You have to have the you know device to be able to do that. You have to have the the email application on the server itself. You know, you have to have the uh, way to you know the client to be able to do that, and you have to have the security to be able to access your 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 email. So if you start looking at every layer, there's a lot of things that are going on that you know the end users don't actually see. Yeah, and I know like I. Uh, uh... And it's, it's just like a lot of stuff swirling in my head. I feel like another past podcast episode, like, um, so I think it focused on technology when it came to uh, the residence hall experience. And like, especially when you think about like the networks, uh, Wi-Fi, Ethernet, you know, if they're plugged into the wall or whatever, but like, you know, email and, you know, when the students are going to the sites and all this stuff, like you said, the end user, it's almost like the... Yeah, they shouldn't see all that stuff on the back. Like, it shouldn't be like crashing and crumbling when they're just trying to register for classes or something. Like, they should almost take for granted how like fluid and quick and like easy everything is. You know, like, um, and really, it's like yeah, most students are not going to notice certain things unless something breaks and it's like like oh, the class registration thing's not working. You know, because it's like well, the servers are overloaded. It's you know. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's, take for granted. I, I, IT is like one of those thankless jobs sometimes <laughs> because you know when things are working, people will notice you. Mm-hmm. You know, things could be working like a thousand days in a row, and all of a sudden, the, the thousand first, and there's a blip. You know? Yeah, yeah. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, like, that doesn't matter. It was like, hey, it worked for like so many days in a row. Like, give us, give us some credit. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's good. I mean, like you said, I mean, if you want to look at it in just like sort of a layered way, even just with like a simple task of sending an email, like that's what 
you know, the role of information systems on campus does to support student success is just like, you know, and you send an email, you need the network to work and the servers to work for the email, you know, and the security, which I feel like cybersecurity on campus is probably like its whole own episode. We could just talk about that That's for right. a very long time. But, um, but let, me, let me give another example yeah, of sure. something that just, it's like, whoa, I didn't think about that. But for example, uh, sending an email, like a, like a marketing email, or even just an, like a student announcement, right? Uh -huh. To using a you know like a mass email system. Well, guess what? We have to get the, the student data out of our information systems, and we have to identify who those students are. And here's a good example: we don't want to be sending a, a sensitive email to a parent whose child may have been the one that's subject to you know suicide or you know or someone who died, and so. You know, those are those are things that we need to be careful about when we're using um, technology like social media and, and you know cloud and, and mobile and things like. We need to be careful about how we use them. Um, security is a big part of what we do. Confidentiality, you know, FERPA, PCI, and that's something that I think we we definitely do take for granted sometimes. But and sometimes this is where the issue with IT comes. It's like, oh my God, you know, they say no. Well, there's a reason why we say no sometimes. Uh -huh because it's not for us it's because we're trying to protect the integrity of the data and availability and confidentiality sure yeah. um well i guess maybe that uh, you know security i think is definitely a trend of what's going on now is that I, I feel like i've just seen headlines just nationwide about like not even just higher ed institutions but just like cybersecurity being like an increasingly important priority for you know all the all the stuff that we have stored in servers and you know and just having those things be secure but um so I guess in addition to that, what are other trends that you're seeing in this space? Maybe, you know, like you're kind of noting like mobile stuff and um, those sort of things. Like what else do you see as being kind of trending right now for um, information systems, technology, all that sort of stuff? Sure. I mean, mo like I've, I've, I've mentioned the uh, consumer consumer products, mobile, social media, cloud, uh, Internet of Things, I think it's coming out now with wearable. But I think one of the areas uh, that is beyond technology is, is assessment. You know, and use of data for analytics, business intelligence, predictive analytics. Um, you know, how do we? There's been a push for accountability uh, in higher ed because mm -hmm. of the high tuition rate, and at the same time, you know, how are we proving that our value, our worth in student affairs to that to the institution, to our students? How do we know that they're learning the things that we want them to learn? You know, and that as 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 an institution. And the problem with that is our data are so siloed. Sometimes you know, how, how are you supposed to provide like a like a an overall advice to a student when advisors don't can't see the co-curricular information? Yeah, yeah. Or things, and sometimes people hide from the oh it's FERPA FERPA data FERPA. FERPA. <laughs> well, you know let's, let's examine that. So that's a trend that I'm seeing is is use of data, um, and you know, predictive analytics. And as far as blindside, I think accessibility always needs to be at the forefront. Uh -huh. I wrote a, a blog article recently about social justice in IT, and those are two issues, two areas that typically won't you know, people won't associate. But frankly, what we do uh, in IT could be tied to social justice because of access to access to to um, information, access to resources, as well as procedural justice. Sure. Right. We talk about earlier about how. When a person, when a student is going through a judicial process, we want to make sure that we have the right information that the officers are are, are dealing with. Same thing with financial aid. We want to make sure that we have the right information that our financial aid officers are actually basing their their, their decisions on. 
mm-hmm. to provide data, you know, provide uh, provide uh, funding for the students. So accessibility, um, I think providing leadership, I think leadership from the top level is also one of those blind side that I think we need to to address. You know, um, I think the NASPA ACPA tech, comp- tech competency is very timely. I think it's I think it's overdue. Right. I'm hoping I'm hoping that that will actually spur conversation on how technology is not just IT, right? It's, it's about it's everyone's responsibilities, um, and they have the foundational, intermediate, and I think advanced. Uh-huh. So how do we use technology? How do we use technology in a meaningful way? Not just because it's a shiny object, not because it's available. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I've seen that uh, just to reinforce a couple of things. Um, yeah, just like the sort of like, oh, shiny, like, you know, let's, it's, yeah, like uh, circling back to sort of like having tablets and stuff. Like, I feel like that was so like a, a sort of trendy thing in its moment to where like, I think it started to, you know, get more established and like it's very much becoming more functional. But so many uh, people, I think, were just like, let's just get tablets for everybody. Like tablets will show that we're like really, you know, on top of things or whatever. But um yeah, they weren't fully realized of like, how is that going to work? Because like I said, sometimes they realize that like, oh, the thing that we, like, we got iPads and the thing that we're using is flash based and it doesn't, it's not supported and I can't use it. And it's like, okay, we just got this like, you know, very expensive uh, toy almost. Yeah, because it's kind of just like the shiny thing or whatever. Um, but yeah, and I think I've seen some campuses too, just on a more positive note, uh, like what you said, like predictive sort of things. Like if it's in my head, like a better term, I guess, of what, people should kind of strive for is like an ecosystem where like everything kind of like lives and thrives together where like yeah like you said like if i'm uh meeting with a student you know i can uh see other kind of pertinent information that's relevant of like you know if if it's a judicial meeting or a counseling meeting or an academic advising meeting you can see you know um just other stuff that's useful but then also like if certain triggers go where it's like oh you haven't gone in the dining hall like you haven't swiped into your room like you know and all that kind of like clicks in and sends like an alert of like hey you know we should check in on this student or something or they haven't gone to class or something like and it just all kind of clicks into place um and then obviously there's a lot of stuff that i've uh, seen too like I, I think i'm not sure if you said it in like the the past answer or not but just like with like, I mean, just with data being like a big trend too, just with like student engagement with like tracking who's going to what events and like, you know, just sort of the outreach that you do too, like and making it very specific of like, okay, all residential graduating seniors, you know, here's like an email or something or like, we're going to text you or we're going to reach out to you. But then also like, you know, they swipe into an event and you know that, oh, this event had, you know, 67% of, you know, residential, you know, business major senior, like you could just get all that information again, showcasing the value. But like, and those are just all positive things. Like are just, they're tools to continue to do what, you know, we've always done kind of thing is my understanding, you know, it just helps us do the things that we, you know, kind of the basic tenants, you know, of our, of our field and stuff. And like you said, this all just is like scaffolding the efforts that we do. Um, and again, it has to come from sort of to reinforce, like you said, the, the leadership, like it kind of has to be, you know, uh, I guess I don't know if the word I'm looking for is just like endorsed and sort of that, like that budget line, like has to be there for that value of like, Oh, we want to have technology to support students, but it's like, you have to invest in some of these things. And, you know, I think the return on investment of retention could pay for that, thing that you have that tool um and now my, my brain's just going all over the place but yeah just i don't know just no, like follow no, you're, up that you're, you hitting, have. Yeah. you're hitting it right on you're hitting right on because yeah. i think you know you talk about the you know uh, having ipads or because it's something cool and they've seen it well you know there's a there's a funding model that needs to sustain that mm-hmm. you know someone creates a, a good application like maybe a student you know we and, and i say this in a positive way you know um one of our 
success has been in our department has been developing students and some of them become our staff. Sure. What happens sometimes though is that an application is developed and then the developer leaves. Mm-hmm. Now what happens to that application? Right. You know, has to support it. Um, no, I, I see technology as, as a transformative uh, tool. I mean, I, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. So I'm just so passionate about it, you know, how to use technology in student affairs. And so that's, when I look at technology, I look at it not just from the tools themselves, but like the, the sociology of it. Right. You know, um, how do we advance as, as a profession, profession development? You know, and, and how do we change the culture? Mm-hmm. So that all the way from the top, all the way to you know to, to the person the person who's new to student affairs can appreciate what technology is, and I think it's really important for administrators to model that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had an example when I said earlier about social media, and I was getting a lot of resistance. And what I did was I went to our vice chancellor and said, "Vice chancellor, can you please model?" I mean, said, "Do you do you see the value of using social media for student you know communication?" He goes, "Absolutely. That's what we do." Mm-hmm. And if we're not doing that, we're neglecting our duties. If we're not meeting where the students are, we're not doing our job. Yeah. And so what he did, he started, uh, he's retired now. Uh, he's my mentor, uh, Dr. Young. But he himself created a uh, Twitter account. He had his own Facebook page. <laughs> and he went, you know, he wrote a memo. And we did a presentation to the division saying, you know what? This is something you got to do. Because we need to be able to understand our students. Yeah. So that makes a big difference, right? Because yeah. uh, if, if someone says, ah, no, social media is bad, you know, and this coming from the top, guess what the staff will say? Well, see, look, Vice Chancellor said it, you can't use it. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess that makes me think of, like, just a couple of things. I guess, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like, I have, like this is like a, it's an interest area of mine as well, just because I, uh, yeah, I can, I can just totally see the value of, the, like, technology in so many different ways. But, um I don't know, I guess just any other like sort of like stories that you have, because I feel like there's like two sides of the coin of like, like you noted, which happens in so many different offices and so many different ways of like um, somebody doing a program, doing like some sort of tradition or something, but then they leave and like continuing it on. Like how maybe because again, I think it's just maybe good advice for, for anybody, not even just like technology specific of what your, you know, your, your example might be. But how do you like work with that? Like what has been your experience sort of like, carrying the baton when somebody sort of like passes it on what's been your experience with that sure i, I think this is where the it and student affairs partnership needs to come in you know we're not oh there's it on the other side we will we'll contact them if something's broken right you know right. and then vice versa it folks need to be especially the people like me need to be coming coming to their side understanding what the business is mm-hmm. you know what student affairs is about and that's the reason why i'm involved with naspa that's the reason why i go to conferences that's the reason why i'm a enough mentor Thanks. There's a reason yeah. why I or, I advise student organizations, or why I'm uh, you know I meet with students once a week at least once a week. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to be partners. Forget about like oh the IT folks they're in like the basement and that's done that's gone that's like years ago. <laughs> yeah. And so as far as expectation, you know we don't expect um, you know that our folks you know our partners student affairs professionals like the the practitioners I mean because I feel like I'm I'm a student affairs professional. Uh, the frontline people and business people to understand what we do, but in terms of implementing, but where the partnership comes in is identifying what those business needs, business needs are, uh-huh. right? And so we have this conversation, um, say, you know, here's what we need, you know, here's our requirements, here's the things we want to be able to do, and have the conversation with IT folks, and IT folks say, no, okay, so here's how we can do it, and, that, and and you know, unfortunately, IT has this this reputation of like, no, can't do that, can't do that, we got to change that. 
Uh-huh. You know, we have to come work together with a common goal. So that's been my experience is partnership, true partnership. One of, one of the, the ways we've done that at UCSB is we've actually embedded our staff into the departments. Uh-huh. So they understand the culture. They understand the business processes. They become part of that department. Yeah. So in some cases, they know the process better than most, most of the people in the department mm-hmm. do. Yeah. I like that idea. I mean, the idea of, you know, it takes the village kind of thing or like teamwork and sort of just like getting everybody on the same page. Because, yeah, I think in sort of asking for help and sort of, um, yeah, letting like everybody knows kind of that everybody has each other's back sort of thing. So if there is sort of like, you know, just either just simple issues or if like something kind of like drops out, I think a lot of people are kind of intimately aware of what's going on so that like they can kind of pick up the slack of, you know, whatever might be going on. Um because yeah, I think it's it's part of the I think the sort of the, the siloing or people kind of like taking too much ownership of things that like if something was somebody's responsibility and they're not here anymore, then it's just like, well, I don't know, I guess maybe that's not happening anymore, like that program or whatever, you know, they were doing. But if whatever issue might come up, if everybody's kind of just like in the loop, kind of close knit and feels very supported by each other, um, I think that goes a long way with just like things continuing on and continuously improving. So I think that's part of where things sort of stall out of just like, you know, if certain people leave, then it's just, it just kind of falls apart. But if it's like, everybody's kind of going up the the mountain together and really supporting each other and um, it feels open to come to each other with, you know, asking for help and those sort of things. But um, yeah, that's really good. Um, I guess, yeah, I just, I, I, I have so many, so many thoughts and different things, but um, I guess any, uh, so I guess just to, to, you know, focus on some of the stuff we want to hit on before we end for this episode. Um, any resources, any, you know, if it is like a, a conference or a professional organization, books, videos, whatever you can think of, stuff that could help people maybe get more intimately aware of what uh, the work that it is that you do or um, anything that you feel like is just uh, helpful for folks out there, other student affairs professionals and practitioners and all that. Um, anything else that you would like to share? Absolutely. And uh, by the way, I, I want to take this opportunity to give a shout out to my buddy, uh, Ed Cavallon. He's a doctor. Dr. Ed yeah, Cavallon. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I miss his dissertation, uh, you know, defense. Uh, but um, no, he's a doctor now, I think. Uh, and so he's doing some exciting stuff. You know, I mean, he's, he started the, the essay uh, on conference, you know, way back when. But Dr. Alquist, Josie Alquist, she's actually in Dubai right now. Um, you know, she did her study research on digital identity and leadership and mm-hmm. so you know she's doing some exciting stuff Paul Brown is actually doing some exciting stuff also as well um, you know one of the things and Dr. Hunko Ray Hunko is another one that I that I follow and so those are, I mean I apologize for if, if I miss some of some of the, my colleagues and friends but those are some of the people that I, that I really love um, just 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 following uh, Julie Dr. Um, JPK and yeah. Terry Bump yeah. Those are folks that I really follow, and, and you know, I go to NASPA conference, you know, for that reason, just understand what where, what the trends are. Um, you know, certainly you guys can, you all can go to my blog, josalvador.com, and where I talk a lot about technology, student affairs technology and leadership, mm-hmm. you know, and just, just how I view technology. Uh, Kevin Guidry, like I said, mistaking goals, I think, .com is, is, is his blog. Mm-hmm. Um, Pew Research is a good one. They do a lot of analysis on social media use, internet use. Um, yeah, and, and you know, the, the 
I, I actually I study other industries as well. That's the reason why I'm, you know it's like there seems like in some cases they're so far ahead of us. So whenever we like the health industry, mm-hmm. they actually have some of the same issues we do because they also practice the high touch and high high tech, you know, practice that we do, and they also encounter some of the same opportunities and same challenges. And one of the challenges is this uh, called the data liquidity, mm-hmm. you know, lack of data liquidity, where the data are siloed. So the customers, the patients may want to say, look, can you, you know, I need to see all my data. The problem is that the systems that all the different doctors are using don't communicate with each other. So there's, you know, customers and patients can't get their data because the, the systems are so siloed. And this whole concept of like, well, um, our profession is high touch, so we can't replace it with technology. But as I said earlier, you can use technology to complement what we do. As a matter of fact, we can use technology to do some of those automation you know, things so that we can actually concentrate on helping students out, you know, face to face, the high high touch. Mm-hmm. So technology isn't a replacement for, you know, for folks in some a lot of cases. It actually does help. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, and I feel I need to um uh say brainstorm people for uh, future podcast guests and um jpk is on my list i def- definitely have to reach out to because i feel like she's like come up she's, like, a, she's awesome yeah like she just is like you know yeah I don't know, the name just keeps coming up of, of, uh, well i work uh, with her actually because we did a uh, a uh, program review mm-hmm. of uh in IT, so student affairs uh an academic affairs it department sure so i had a chance to work with her and she's amazing she's amazing and uh i really, I really have a lot of respect for her, respect for her and uh, she's awesome she's fun yeah. All right. Yeah. So I think that's the I'm going to reach out to her at some point in the future. Just putting that out into the universe so people can look forward to that for a future podcast episode. And uh, yeah, just for people for reference, as of the recording of this episode, it is uh, Ed Cabellan's uh, dissertation day. So I think he is like uh, minted as of the recording of this uh, doctor. Um, I think he recorded it online. So I, th- I feel like I have to that's try right, to yeah. find the. Well, I was on my way home, you know, yeah, to yeah. this, and, um, you know, looking at his abstract dissertation and. That's the thing, man. It's like technology and student affairs. There's not much literature out there. Yeah. That's why I appreciate what what he's doing. I appreciate the the topic that he's done, which is you know study how technology has been used by student affairs administrators in the last ten years, mm-hmm. which is pretty much what we talked we talked about today. And and that's that's a um that's a rare that's a rare information out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, somebody's got to do it sort of like i don't know like i'm sure he has i know he does you know have interest in it and it's almost like because if some people would get discouraged if like oh there's not all like there's not stuff to you know that literature out there and it's like all right you know what i'm going to be the person to like pull in data and start doing it and you know um yeah we'll we'll, we'll link to his uh recording um make sure i can find it so people can check it out so um yeah, a lot of other good stuff to check out. Uh, a lot of good. Educause, you know, Educause is always a good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Doctor Gross, Liz Gross is also another good one. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Laura Paschini is another one. You know, they do a lot of good stuff in, in, in the different areas, you know, within student affairs or just just in higher ed in general. Yes. Yeah, I think we, you know, we've had some of these people on for for guests, but this is also making me think of other future guests too, because uh, I don't think we've had a uh, Terry Bump on or. Um, Oh, Ray. Awesome. Yeah, Ray too. Yeah. Um, I want to tell you a story about her a little bit. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just real quick. I, uh, the reason why I really appreciate about appreciate Terry is that uh, I went to my first conference, NASPA conference ever, which is NASPA Tech. 
in Rhode Island. It was a few years ago, and mm-hmm. you know she's never seen me. Uh, she's I think she's seen me online, and I still remember to this day, this you know this new person doesn't know anyone, and then I see Terry at the front table, and um, she just came running towards me. So she said, come come here, you know, join me at the front table. You know, and I, I always remember that. I always remember that. It's like you know, wow, Terry, she knows everyone. <laughs> Yeah. One, you know, the other person that I don't, you know, I don't want to miss mentioning because he's, he's awesome. He's doing uh, a lot of great stuff. Is Eric Stolder? Uh huh. Uh-huh. You know, he's he's a he's a he's a force out there, and you know he he questions a lot of stuff, which I really appreciate. And he's one of the first people that actually introduced me to um, Kevin Kruger, um, NASPA president of NASPA Tech. So we have a lot of good folks out there doing a lot of good stuff in student first technology, and and I, I can't wait to meet all of them. So. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, and we'll link out to all their, their social media and their blogs and all that so people can check out what they've done. Um, well, uh, I feel like we've had a lot of great thoughts already, but uh, we'll end as we always do. What is sort of your final thought that you would like to end the episode with to, to wrap it all up? Yeah, I think uh, with the NASPA Tech competency and where we are with consumer technologies and uh, assessment, I, I just see technology. You know, it is already a big part of what we do. But I'm excited. I'm excited about what we can do. You know, transforming the way we do business, transforming the way we do work, transforming the way we engage students. And so, no, I love where we're going. Um, you know, the ACPA and Student Affairs Partner, you know, a NASPA partnership. You know, with the Digital Task Force and that they're doing. I, I think. Yeah, I'm excited with the next couple of years coming up. And Paul Brown doing his dissertation on you know just extending models and Josie, you know, Dr. Alquist. Um, I look forward. I look forward to where student affairs technology is coming, you know, going in a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm the uh, eternal optimist as well, and I'm just like, yeah, this is gonna, everything's always gonna get better. We're gonna, you know, we'll continue oh, yeah. to improve things, and yeah, it's a, uh, it's a very exciting time to be in. Um, but yeah, that all that all wrap things up here. Joe, I appreciate you uh, taking time out to uh, chat about all this stuff. It's a, a great episode and. Uh, I feel like I got all all giddy and geeked out about all this technology stuff, but it, it's all great. And I think we, uh, uh, yeah, gave a lot of good information, a lot of good resources for people to check out. So yeah, just thank you so much, Joe, for uh, taking time out to chat. No, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, it was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to help us out, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher or iTunes, or just share out the show so other people can find all the cool stuff we talk about every single week. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast.